Songbook, let's stand, turn to number number forty. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Number forty. Good to see everybody. I've done got further along than I have, wouldn't you? 
Amen. Well, praise God, I'm still trying. Amen. I'm still walking in the in the blood and covered in it. Praise God. Walking in the Spirit. I'm thankful for the Lord Jesus. I'm thankful that I'm saved this morning. I don't know if you're as thankful for that you're saved as I am that I'm saved, but if you're not, get thankful about my salvation because I'm sure tickled about mine. Amen. I tell you, this morning I just I just meditating on how good it is to be saved this morning, how good it is to not be going to hell, amen? And I just got plumb excited about it, and I hadn't got over it yet. So if I get a little rowdy this morning, it's because I'm worked up, amen? I'm very thankful for my Jesus, amen? Very thankful for my Savior who shed his blood so that I don't have to burn in hell for eternity. I'm grateful that my sins have been forgiven, amen? And it's done something to me. I'm excited about it this morning, if you are too. Are there prayer requests this morning that we have? Anybody got any prayer requests? Yes, Miss Charlotte. I good report from the eye doctor. Yes, ma'am. Now go back in six months. All right. Well, we're glad you're doing better. I'm I'm so glad you you're seeing better and everything's good. Yes. Who else said it? Miss Diane. Diane and Phyllis. Well, you, y'all remember to lift Diane up in prayer that God give her healing and all this. All right. Anybody else? Anybody? Well, that's a good thing when there ain't a lot of prayer requests. That means everybody, everything's pretty much all right, and we're glad for that. But praise God for all that he is doing. I just want to share this again. I know I've just been talking about this and talking about this, but it's just blown me away. It's absolutely blown me away. That my my good friend Leo Lytle, they again last Saturday I think it was when he left out, he and his wife Valerie left out, going down the coast Texas Mexican uh, border, uh, and anyway they they uh, on their way to El Paso from Brownsville, and saw up to this point I want to say they saw just over 200 people saved, and I may I may be a lo- little low in that estimation. But just under, just right around 200 people in one week's time. Now this wasn't no church-wide campaigns. Nobody worked ahead of them. Nobody passed out flyers. No nothing. Just one truck or one van with one trailer pulling up into a town, setting up, putting out signs. 200 people, 200 souls that will not burn in hell because somebody stepped out of their comfort zone. And said, "I'm going to tell somebody that Jesus died for him. That's all it was. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't do nothing fancy. Y'all know he don't do nothing fancy. Miss Bonnie was down there. He just set up. There it is. Hey, here we are. Take it or leave it. And you know what? They come in droves and they take it because this world is hungry for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It just don't know what it's hungry for. And when it sees it, when it sees it right before it, boy, this world wants it. I'm telling you right now." We need to be hungrier to give them what they what what they need than than we are. I tell you, it, it really it, it impassions me, it burdens me to see what what great things can be done in just with just a little bit of effort. And so I'm excited. I think we go about it trying to do it complicated so many times when it's really very simple, very simple to get the gospel to somebody. I just want to praise God for those many souls that have been saved this past week down on the border. Uh, in Uvalde, Texas, where the tragic shooting happened down in that school, people down there are so ready for Jesus. They they so desperately know they need Jesus, and they've latched onto it down there in that part of the world. And I just praise God. I just want to thank Him for it. Anything else before we go to the Lord in prayer this morning?
All right, let's let's buy our prayer. Robert Lee, some prayer this morning. <laughs> Amen. You'll be seated. There was a time on earth when 
in the book of heaven, and old account was standing, for sin yet unforgiven. My name was at the top, and many things below. I went unto the keeper, and settled long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago. Hallelujah, and the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away. When the old account was settled long ago. The old account was large and growing every day, for I was always sinning and never tried to pay. But when I looked ahead and saw such pain and woe, I said that I would settle. I settled long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago, hallelujah, and the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away, when the old account was settled long ago. When at the judgment bar, I stand before my king, and he the book will open, he cannot find a thing. Then will my heart be glad, while tears of joy will flow, because I had it settled, and settled long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago, hallelujah, and the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away, when the old account was settled long ago. When in that happy home, my Savior home above, I'll sing redemption's story and praise Him for His love. I'll not forget that book with pages white as snow, because I came and settled and settled long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago, hallelujah, and the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away, and the old account was settled long ago. Oh, sinner, seek the Lord, repent of all your sins, for thus he had commanded, if you would enter in, and then if you should live a hundred years below, up there you'll not regret it. You settled long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago. And the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away. When the old account was settled long ago. Amen. That's all right. Number 41. Number forty-one. I'm glad that I'm glad it was settled. Amen. Aren't you? Praise God. I ain't never got to meet my sins again. Hallelujah. Amen. Forty-one. There is a fountain filled with blood. I think it's just. I think it's too low. There you go. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and 
Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians, and we'll be back in chapter two this morning. Second Thessalonians, second chapter. I can't locate it here. There we go. Second Thessalonians chapter two, we're going to begin there in verse nine, and we're going to read verses nine through twelve this morning. We'll not finish the chapter today. We're gonna we're gonna focus on these three verses, and I'll try my best to get through this in a timely manner. You pray for me that I do, and we'll we'll just trust the Lord to lead us and and guide us in this. Second Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, chapter two, verse nine. Second Thessalonians, chapter two, verse nine. All right, Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse nine through twelve. I'll read that. Let's go to the Lord. And, uh, let's read the Word of God first, and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Verse nine: Even Him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they might all that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, I love you and I thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for salvation through your precious blood. Thank you, Lord, that it's still free, that it's still available. And, Lord, it's, it's, it's there for the taking. Father, I pray, Lord, I know these that are sitting in front of me. I believe all of them have a testimony of salvation. Lord God, I pray for those who are listening and watching. Father, those who might be coming and watching that are lost without Jesus, but they're curious. Father, I pray, Lord, this be the day. Holy Spirit of God, that you reach inside that lost soul, that, that lost man, that lost woman. Lord, I pray you reach inside their heart and put your finger on their sin. 
reveal to them their wickedness before an almighty and righteous God, holy God, show them that they owe a sin debt. Father, show them that Christ is the only payment that will make up the, the difference, the only one that will set them free. Father, help them to believe today on Christ. And Lord, I pray that you'll do your work through the message now and help us, Lord, to understand these times that are coming. And Lord, please give me your power. In Jesus' name I pray now, and I thank you ahead of time. Amen. All right. It's good. Again, it's good to be back in the house of the Lord this morning. It's good to be with you. And uh, you pray for those that are out this morning, couldn't be with us. But we're going we're gonna to talk about a very, very, uh, very, very ugly figure in the Bible, and that is the man of sin, the Antichrist. And uh, we're going we're gonna to look at him this morning because the Word of God is leading us to look at him here in Second Thessalonians. Chapter two, and if you were here last week, you remember as we talked about we talked about the day of the Lord, and the Bible talks about the day of Christ is at hand, and the day of Christ is when the Lord Jesus Christ comes to take His people out of here, and He's coming for us. And the Word of God has taught us about the rapture of the church last week. We looked at the difference between the the coming for His people and the coming of the Lord. There's a difference. Even though those two things are are encapsulated in the second coming of Christ, there's two actual comings of the Lord, one in the air and one to the earth. And when he comes to the earth, he'll set up his thousand-year kingdom here on earth. Let's go ahead. I want to go ahead and just read uh, verses 1 down through verse 8 to kind of set things up and just refresh your memory. Uh, Chapter 2 there, beginning the first verse, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and our, by our gathering together unto him, that's the rapture, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter, as from us, that the day of Christ is at hand or that you missed it. Let no man deceive you by any means, because people will try to deceive you. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. We talked about that apostasy, about that turning away, leaving the truth of God. Who opposes this the son of perdition, this man of sin we're talking about, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, or that so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. We talked about that that temple has yet to be built but they are in preparation. They are doing everything they can to, to, to get things ready to build it, and it shouldn't be long before that building probably begins to take place. It could happen just at about any time. And Paul says, remember you not when I was with you. I told you these things. So he had give them a crash course in prophecy. And he said, and ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. He'd already told them what has to take place. He's, and he tells us here, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. The Antichrist plans are already in effect. They're already working and trying to come to pass, and we talked about some of those things last week, that it's happening now in our own world we live in right now with a fury as these things are trying to be laid into place so that, that Satan's plan can, can, can take off in his direction until God says that's enough of that. But all these things are moving and being put into place for this man of sin to be revealed. All right, so he says there again, in the mystery, it already works. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. We talked about that being the Spirit of God, that no, the Holy Spirit will not be completely removed from this earth. Yes, he'll still be here at work, 
just like he was here at work before he came on the day of Pentecost. He was, he's, say, so how do I understand all that? Just do it by faith. You ain't got, you ain't got to figure out how he can, he can leave here and be gone yet still be here at the same time anymore. You can figure out how Jesus was here before he came. So, and you know, and he's still here because he, he's still here. He lives in our heart, but he lives in the person of his spirit. So, I mean, all that may be complicated to wrap your head around, but I know it because God's word tells me so. Amen. Even though things are too big to fit in this little old skull, I still know that God said it and it's true. Amen. God's word said it, and that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what you or I think about it. All that matters is God's word said it. Amen. Uh, but anyway, keeping on going here. So, so again, the Holy Spirit of God, his restraining power, the restraining work of the Holy Spirit of God functions through his church. We are, he, he does his restraining through us. While we're still here preaching this gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, by grace through faith in him alone, while we're still doing that, the Holy Spirit is restraining the evil of the Antichrist from coming forth and setting up his kingdom now. Now, verse 8, he says, and then, okay, so when, when he, that being he that led up, or the Spirit of God, the restraining force is taken out of the way, verse 8 says, and then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. All right. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. All right. Well, what's the Bible wanting to teach us here? The Bible is teaching us is that Satan, he works, he works by intimidation. He works by counterfeit, he works by deception. <clears throat> Satan is at work. The mystery of iniquity doth already work. And he is. He, again, he works by imitation. There's a lot of cults and there are a lot of false religions that look good to people. They sound good to people. And, and, and they, they sound like it'll all work out good in the end. Or otherwise, people wouldn't join them. So what is that? Well, that's imitation. Satan has his own churches. He has churches all over America, all over the world. He has his own churches where they worship a false system of religion. And that end of that system will send a person to hell, even though it looks beautiful along the way. And it soothes their conscience. It will not do a thing with their sins. But he works by intimidation. I'm sorry, not Im- I said intimidation. I meant imitation. I read that wrong. He works by imitation. He does work by intimidation, too. He'll try to intimidate you to do something, even though he can't force you. But he works by imitation. He wants to, he wants to mimic God. He wants to look like God. He works by counterfeit. Again, that's why there's so many versions of the Bible. They're counterfeit. Listen, God's word is God's word. And, and if it tells you something other than what this old Bible says right here, it's a counterfeit. God's not a schizophrenic. He works by counterfeit. And you take the NIV, you look at the NIV. Again, Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, there's Satan's thumbprint right in the NIV. It's there for everybody to see when he puts, he puts Jesus in his place. He tries to make Jesus out to be the one who fell from heaven instead of him. But that's, I'm not going to get all off on that. He works by deception. He wants to frick a person. He wants to deceive a person into thinking they're following God when they're really not. Satan wants to be like God. He always has. 
He said, I will send my throne above the heights of the cloud, the, uh, the sides of the north. I'll be like the most high. He said that. He wants to be like God. The Bible also tells us that Christ alone can rule the world in peace and righteousness. Satan's going to set up the kingdom, but it won't be ruled in peace, and it won't be ruled in righteousness. The Bible has also proved that Christ is God. He is, it proves his deity by all the miracles that he performed. And, but, you know, Satan's going to perform some miracles too. Um, but the Bible calls him that wicked. It says there in, in, in uh, what verse is that? Verse 8, and then shall that wicked, wicked being capitalized, that's, that's the description there in the Bible for him, that wicked will be Satan's man here on earth, even as Christ was God's man here on earth. As God inhabited the body of Jesus Christ, and I know he's God in the flesh, that's what I mean, very God and very man. He was God in the flesh, even so this wicked or this man of sin will be Satan in the flesh. Very much again, he's he's a, he's an imitator of God, and uh, not only that, the, the Antichrist's arrival when he shows up, it's called a uh, it's parousia is the way you say the word. You'd read and say parousia if you didn't know how to pronounce it. But parousia it it means coming, and 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 it and again it's his the Antichrist's arrival is called the same thing, the same word that's used for Christ coming. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 9, it says, it says, even him who's coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Uh, it's just like in 2 Thessalonians 2, 1, where it says, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together with him. So again, the same word is used. Why? Because the Antichrist wants to be just like Jesus. So again, everything is just like him. It's supposed to be anyway. Uh, and then there's his appearance when he shows up. Uh, the Antichrist's appearance is called an apocalypsis, apocalypsis, or rather, which is the word for revelation. The word, the book of Revelation, it's apocalypsis. Uh, and his appearance, the Antichrist's appearance, three different times is called that same word that Christ's second coming is called by in, the, in 2 Thessalonians uh, 1.7. Again, 2 Thessalonians 2.3 says, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed. Is revealing, again, in his time. And so, again, it's referring to him like it refers to Christ. 2 Thessalonians 2.6, and now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. 2 Thessalonians 2.8, and then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall destroy, consume with the spirit of his mouth and destroy the brightness of his coming. So coming to the Antichrist, it's going to be such a complete, over-the-top parody of the coming of the Lord that millions, if not billions, of people are going to be drawn in by this demonic deception. I mean, we think about what a production Hollywood can put on. Hollywood can make a movie. I mean, it looks real. You said in the movie theater, blow away how real it looks. Well, imagine what they'll be able to do uh, and, and, and I'm going to tell you, we've already seen these kinds of things happen. There have been things happen. And I believe, I'm going to sit right here and tell you today that I believe they used that same technology on 9-11. I believe they did to, to pull off the whole, the whole uh, trick there to fool the American people. Uh, it's, it's as simple. It's, it's holographic technology that they use, and the military has all that technology. They can do any kind of thing they want to. They're going to make it look so 
it, it'll be the biggest Hollywood production ever put on. And 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 don't think for one second that that Hollywood isn't connected with the devil. I guarantee you, it's very much his his PR department. Okay, so they, they'll be behind it a hundred percent and making it look as real as possible. Satan will be behind it. The whole the power of Satan will be involved in the big production. And it'll look good. It'll look good. People are going to be fooled. And and not only that, the Antichrist is going to be promoted in every single media format in the world. You think about all the computer technology and and and, and all the all the media, all the print media, all of the the news media, the 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 electronic media, all the television, movies, you name it, whatever's out there, every bit of it is going to be promoting him as the greatest thing that's ever come along. And everybody's going to be enamored with him, which is described in Revelation 13, verses 11 through 18. Turn over there if you don't mind. Revelation chapter 13, verses 11 through 18. And he's going to assume the role, look here, of a superman. Revelation chapter 13, 8, 11 through 18. I'll get a smaller copy while you turn there. Revelation 13, verse 11 through 18. John said, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exercised all the power of the first beast before him, and caused the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. So this again, the Antichrist. I, I know this is just getting into something else, but he's going to be he's going to receive a, de- a mortal wound, and he's going to end up losing one of his eyes in the process. But that deadly wound is going to be healed, and he's going to be resurrected. Okay, and you ever? You ever I don't know if you've paid much attention, but all this sim- symbol uh, symbol. What am I trying to say? Symbology is that the word? Yeah, symbolism. That Hollywood and actors and movies, movie stars, singers, uh, models on these magazine covers. I know y'all have stood in line in grocery stores for years and watched people do their stuff like this and this and this, and and they, they pose in weirdest poses. Y'all notice on the magazine covers they appear they pose in weirdest po- poses. And a lot of and a lot of times you see people covering their eye. They cover one eye or they're photographed in the shadows with only one eye showing. That's all Antichrist. Every bit of that. It's all because, why? Because they know he's going to receive a mortal wound. He's only going to have one eye. That's what they're picturing. Uh, but not to go off down that rabbit hole, but let, let's just let's get back into it. Um, where was I at? What verse was I at? Okay, verse, uh, verse, verse 13. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven to the earth in the sight of men. Again, there's his miracles. And he deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save that he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, three score, and six. So we we see that he's gonna he's gonna be put forward as the outstanding leader who can rescue the world from all the difficulties and stop the chaos. 
And we're headed there. We're so headed there. I don't know if y'all been paying attention to what's going on in politics in the last week or so, but our, our whole our whole political system is just it's just like it's in the middle of an earthquake right now. You've got so, and I'm not trying to get all political on you this morning, but all the things they went after Trump about with the classified information now they now they've come after Biden. The Democratic Party's turned on him. And that what they're what they're going to do is rat him out for all his dirty business deals, and they'll destroy him. He'll be gone. And and again, they're doing this. They're getting rid of him so they can bring in somebody even worse. Uh, Gavin Newsom from California will be the next one. You watch and see. And he's he's the devil in disguise. That's all he is. He's he, 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 Nancy Pelosi's nephew, and he's an evil evil man. Anyway, having said all that, there's going to be somebody slick who this world's going to go after. I don't know who it'll be. Again, I have no idea. I can't say for sure one way or the other. But whoever it is, he's going to – I mean, people are going to look at him and they're going to go, this guy can do anything. He, he's, when he speaks, it's just like – I mean, it's just like he's poetic in his speech. Everything he says just resonates with the people. They go, yes, this is what we've been waiting on. Yes, this guy can fix everything. And, and, and they'll believe in him. Uh, his power, again, it'll come from Satan himself. And Satan's going to energize him to perform signs and lying wonders. If you think back to uh, when Moses went before Pharaoh, Moses' the magicians were able to do all kinds of things, yet God's power was more powerful than theirs. But yet they were able to do magic right there in the sight of Moses. I think about some of these magicians today that we've seen. Uh, there have been some pretty impressive ones. I mean, done some pretty impressive things. But the things that we've seen up to this point is nothing. I mean, I've seen magicians who are able to levitate. I've seen some who've walked on top of water. I've seen some that have walked through a window. I've seen I've, I've seen it. one guy stood up on top of this three-story pillar for like a month or something. I can't remember how long he stood up there. But really, really crazy things, but nothing compared to what this man of sin is going to be able to do. I mean, he's going to work with miraculous power, and the whole world is just going to go, oh, wow, what a what – what a man. This is what we've been waiting on. Revelation 13, 2 says, And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth was the mouth of a, of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and his great authority. That meaning Satan. And the signs and the wonders that he's going to do by Satan's power, now they won't be on the same level with the miracles that Jesus performed, but he's still going to be able to perform acts that are incredible. And they're supernatural, and nobody will be able to stand back and say, well, that's just a card trick. No, these are real supernatural things that nobody will be able to, to stand up and, and dispute. And, and so in, in amazement, this world's going to say of him, who's like unto the beast? There's nobody like him. Again, this is the one we've been waiting on. And in our verses this morning, verses 9 through 12, it gives us the description of the way that Satan's going to work and deceive this world. The Bible teaches us that in the future, many people will be deceived and will not receive Jesus as their Savior. The Antichrist will come and substitute. He'll substitute himself in a place of Christ. And people who resisted Christ along the way and did not receive him and were left behind at the rapture, these people are going to flock to this man of sin in great numbers. They're going to follow after him in spite of his evil character. And these things are going to come to pass. 
in the time of the great tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble that we that we read about in the Bible. And all of this, everything that we read, it's a judgment of God, every bit of it. People will be deceived and perish, the Bible says, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. All during this age of grace, when we've been trying to preach the gospel, we've been trying to we're trying to, to give people Jesus, and they said, no, 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 we don't want that. We're not interested in that. We don't need Jesus. We're just fine. We got our religion, or, or, or we'll be all right, or I'm a good person, or whatever their excuse may be. They had a chance to get saved, but they didn't receive the love of the truth. They said, I, don't, I, I, may, I may go to heaven, but I ain't going to have to trust in some fairy tale. I, I'm going to tell you, I talked to a guy on, just in passing on Facebook the other day, and he was mocking salvation. And I just told him, I said, I said, buddy, I said, you know, there ain't but one way in, and that's Jesus. If you don't trust him, you're going to split hell wide open. He said, well, that's, that's fine if you believe a fairy tale. And I said, well, it ain't no fairy tale. It's real. I said, and I've been saved, and I've known him for 47 years, and he's been good to me, and he's, and he's blessed me, and he's forgiven me of my sins, and he'll forgive you too. I was trying to witness to the guy, and the guy just bluntly told me, he said, you know, if you're trying to proselytize me, you can forget it. I don't believe in fairy tales. I said, well, I tell you what, there's going to come a day when I'm going to look over at you when you're kneeling and confessing that Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords before you're pitched into the lake of fire for all eternity. I'm going to look at you, and you're going to remember and he laughed me off. But that's a reality. That's people are going to, listen, the Bible talks about we're going to be standing on the right, they're going to be on the left, and they're going to kneel, and they're going to be pitched into the lake of fire. And, and, and again, he didn't want the truth. He didn't, he didn't receive it. And the Bible says, as a result of that, God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. God will send them a strong delusion. Well, how can God delude somebody? Well, the answer is in the context of this. First of all, it's clear that those who are deceived, they had an opportunity to receive Christ. Right? They received not the love of the truth. It was offered to them. But they said, no, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. Get away from me with that, you Bible thumper. I don't want none of that religion. You get off. You take your religious crutch and you go elsewhere. We're fine. Slam. I've had a lot of doors slammed in my face over the years, lots of them. And, and, and you know what? That's fine, but they're going to deal with it, not me. But they had, a, they had, again, they had a chance, but they did not do it. So what this is is a case of divine justice because when a person shuns God and turns away from the truth of God, what does God do? Hold on to their coattails? No, you can't go. No, God says, okay, if you don't want me, okay. God lets them go. He lets them be led off into error because they stuck their hand in his face and said, I don't want you. And most of the time, when people walk away from the truth, when they say, I don't want nothing to do with it, listen, they've been battling with the Spirit of God, and they refused him. They said, I don't want it. He tried to lead them into the knowledge of God, and they fought and fought and fought against it, and they get agitated and say, I don't want nothing to do with it. And they're done. They walk away. And it's going to be the same way then. Again, people, in order to go to hell, usually people have got to step over the top of people who are trying to save them to go to hell. You realize that? People literally have to fight their way through people who love them, usually, in order to go to hell. 
can't always. But it sure is down here in the south where a lot of people go to church and love the Lord. Got people praying for them. Got preachers preaching to them. Got people trying to share Jesus with them. They step right over Jesus and go to hell. But that's the way it's going to be. Again, they refuse it. They, they, they've turned away from Christ in the past. And now, and, and now instead of turning, uh, turning to Christ, again, Christ has been offered over and over and over. And they said, nope, 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 nope. And all of a sudden, this guy comes along. And they say, oh, yes, this is what we need. Wow, we've been waiting on you forever. And they're going to believe a lie rather than believe the truth. And I know some people, some people, uh, and I'm included, read this verse 11. Some people don't agree with it, but I do. That if a person in this age we're living in right now, this age of grace, hears the gospel, has an opportunity to receive the gospel, Holy Spirit of God working in their heart and showing them that they need Jesus, and they say, I don't want it, and they refuse it right now in this age of grace, I believe when Christ comes and takes his church out of here that they will find it impossible to believe and be saved after that point. Now, some people say, well, that ain't, that, that ain't what that means, but I, I don't see how it can't. If God gave them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, how is, it, how is it possible for them to get saved? And somebody would say, well, you mean there's no hope? There's just no hope? Well, I mean, you want me to stand here in this current age of grace and speculate as to whether people can put off being saved under the tribulation? No. You can't put it off. Now is the time. The Bible says today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your heart. Now is the time. I mean, it's extremely unlikely that a person who rejected Christ in this day and age that we live in, in this day of grace, would ever turn to him in that awful time of tribulation when everything in the world is against them. It ain't going to get easier to turn to Christ. It's just going to get more difficult. Now is the time. Now is the day of salvation, today. But again, we've got to remember the context of this passage. It's focused on people who reject Christ during the tribulation and receive Antichrist. It's not focused on people who rejected Christ before the rapture. This is focused on the, the tribulation period. The, the scriptures definitely teach that after the church is gone, God is going to send a strong delusion on all those who don't believe. And God's going to judge their hearts. And if they deliberately turn away from the truth, then God's going to let them believe a lie. Scare somebody to death, they're not saved. Realize time's slipping away. It ought to. They're going to believe a lie. It's so easy for them to believe a lie. I mean, isn't that something? Why is it so hard to believe the truth? Why is it so hard to accept that, that, that God loves you? Why is it so hard to accept that, that Christ uh, gave himself in your place? I don't understand why it's so hard. It was easy for me. It was easy. God showed me, and I knew He was. I knew God didn't lie, and I believed what He said. I trusted Him. I accepted what He said, and I received Christ. It was so simple. I didn't have to do any heavy lifting. I didn't have to work hard. All I had to do was believe and trust, and that's all it took. And God did the rest. And yet, people run around Jesus, jump over Jesus, tunnel under Jesus, whatever they got to do to not 
have to face the Lord Jesus. And what will they do during the tribulation? The Bible says that they're going to hide themselves in the rocks and the hills. They'll ask for the rocks to fall on them and hide them from him that sits on the throne. They don't want God. Again, after we're gone, God's going to send a strong delusion. And these people are going to honor the man of sin as their God and their king instead of the Lord Jesus. And the result of that's going to be that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. The horrible destiny of those who turn away from the Lord Jesus Christ is presented there in verse 12 so clearly. It says they're damned to hell. What a sentence to have read to you. You're damned to hell forever. No hope. Finished. Done. Condemned. That scares the living daylights out of me, and I'm saved. When it's so easy, Jesus has done everything. There's nothing to be done but believe and trust. Reach out and hold on to him. Take hold of the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on him and be saved. But so many today, they'll laugh at that. They'll mock that. I praise God for those who are getting saved. I praise God. Uh, like I said, for Brother Leo, them seeing that revival down there on the south coast, on the south border of our nation. I thank God for that. I thank God for everybody who's standing behind a pulpit this morning and preaching the truth of the gospel and people are getting saved. I praise God for every soul saved. But I'm telling you, it's coming to a close. This age of grace is coming to a close. And Christians, oftentimes, we fail to realize how desperate the situation becomes when somebody hears the gospel and turns away from it. They say, oh, well, they didn't, we, didn't, we tried, but they didn't get saved. Well, you don't realize what a dangerous thing. You've become a very dangerous person to that person because you have just given them the gospel and they rejected it. I know it's not you, but you've got to understand the circumstances. That person's heard it. That person had an opportunity. That person walked away from it. That person may never get another chance. It's not a trivial thing that they didn't believe. People are actually determining their eternal destination right there in front of you. And those that turn away from Christ, they find themselves on a path of total hopelessness. The reality of hell is a very, very powerful thing. And we choose not to think on it very often because we don't want to be overpowered by that thought. But the fact of the reality is we need to think on that as believers, not because it's anywhere we're headed, but it's where all these others are headed who don't believe. They're headed, they're headed into I don't like punishment. I don't know anybody in here that does like punishment. But... You're talking about a, a forever of nothing but punishment, a forever of nothing but torment, a forever of nothing but excruciating pain. And not just the pain. It's not just the, the physical pain. It's the absolute overwhelming sensation of hopelessness, of absolute despair, of absolute horror without end, without abatement, forever and ever and ever.
the solemn truth is we ought to give a sense of urgency in our day to tell people about Christ. We ought to, we ought to have a sense of urgency about us. And the, and the reality is that the great majority of people who are within the sound of the gospel today will not heed it and they will not turn to Christ. The majority are going to walk right into hell. And those people lie to themselves. They lie to themselves all along the way and they say, there's time. There's, there'll be time. I, I'm, I'm going to live how I want to live. And you know what? When I get a little older and I get past my, my fun years, I get I get past where I can run and do what I want to do, and I get a little older, then I'll come to Jesus, and then I'll get saved then. Then I'll be all right. You know what? I was thinking on that last night. You want to remind me of remind me of a song lyric. I know some of y'all probably never listened to this kind of music, but some of you did. And there's a line in the song, Stairway to Heaven, by Led Zeppelin. I know y'all y'all have heard of that song because it's got backwards masking in it where it talks about Satan is God and all this stuff. But there's a lyric in the forward lyrics, and it says, yes, there are two paths you can go by, but in the long run, there's still time to change the road you're on. What a satanic lyric that is. Robert Plant, the singer, he's just, he's, he's just saying, you know, go ahead and have fun. Do what you want to. Because you can always change later. You can always make up your mind later. If you don't like this road you're on, hey, you can take that other one. But, but don't worry about it right now because there's always time. And that's what the devil promises. Again, his message is, his message is not a, a, a hard, fast message. It's okay. Just coast. It's cool. Don't worry about it. It'll all be all right. It'll all work out. Don't worry. Just come on and go with me. It's all good. We'll have fun. That's the devil's message. What does the Bible say? Hebrews 3, 7 and 8. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation and the day of temptation in the wilderness. Don't be like those people in the wilderness who wanted to go back to this world and the things of this world. Don't harden your hearts against God, he's saying. No, listen today if you'll hear his voice. But they're going to flock after a false leader. And instead of believing in Christ, in that, in that dreadful time of tribulation, they're going to believe a lie. They're going to harden their hearts, and they're going to rush headlong to eternal damnation. But my friends, this is the age of grace that we're living in. And you and I have a commission from God. We have got we have been given a commission from God. That means we've been given a work to do. We've been given something to finish for him. And the day of the Lord is not coming until Christ comes for us first. And while we're waiting on him, we need to be challenged by the Lord to give our hearts and give our lives to him. And do his will. God enables us and God gives us opportunities to present the gospel. Now hear what I said. God enables us. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it. Let's, let's just think for a second. I don't have the supernatural power to reach inside someone's life and someone's heart and someone's uh, thinker. I have no way of reaching in and touching their soul and their spirit with my power and in causing them to see their lost condition. I can describe it, I can tell them, but I can't make them put put their thoughts with my words. Only the Spirit of God can do that. I can't bring a person to a decision. I can't make somebody stand at the precipice of the choice. 
Only the Spirit of God can do that. What I can do is give them the truth, and I can do it in love. I can do it with compassion. And the Holy Spirit of God will couple that together with his power and use me and, and work in somebody's heart. He'll do that with you. He'll use you and work in someone's heart and touch them through you as if his hand was in the glove of your life and touched them. God gives us the opportunity, and God enables us to preach the gospel, to proclaim the truth. The message ought to be sent forth that Christ loves those that are lost, that he loved them so much he died for them, and he is able to save them if they'll just come to him. That's not a hard message to give. It's not as though we're trying to explain calculus to somebody. We're just giving them a simple message. You owe a sin debt. He already paid it. Believe on him. Trust him, and he'll pay the debt, and it's done, and you don't have to go to hell. It's simple. I mean, you and I, we don't have to fear the coming tribulation. There's no need for us to fear it because we got a hope. Listen, I, I believe in the blessed hope that my Savior's coming, that I'm looking up for him. But, you know, there's a lot of people who are not going to be ready. There's a lot of people who are not going to be ready. I mean, we're going to have trouble in this world. I realize that. And some of us have gone through some awful things already. I mean, there are people in our own generation, probably tens of thousands of them, that have lost their lives for their faith in Christ. Martyrs still, that still happens in our day and time we're living in, and it will continue to. And But this is not the day of the Lord we're living in. This is not the time of tribulation. The day, the days coming up to that time are going to get scarier and scarier. It's going to be more harrowing as we go, and people are going to prognosticate that we're already in it, and, and this, that, and the other, and this shows this, and this. But uh, it's not going to happen until we're out of here. We're still in the age of grace. God's still waiting for lost men and women to come to him and believe. But one of these days, the last soul that's ever going to be saved is going to get saved. And that's it. And the Lord's going to come. The body of Christ will be complete. Father said, go get them, son. And we're gone. And then after that, the scriptures make it plain that this horrible period described as the day of the Lord, the time when God's judgment is going to be poured out on this unbelieving world, is going to begin. And what do we learn from this portion of scripture? We learn that we need to look at our own hearts. We need to examine our own hearts. We need to make sure, folks need to make sure that they've really trusted Christ as their Savior, that they've really been born again through, through faith in him and what he's done for them. And I say this to people that are listening to me this morning. If you've not trusted Christ, if you've not believed on him before, it's time today. It's not, it ain't nothing you can put off till later. Do it today. Trust him. Be born again. Believe on him. And once you believe on Christ, once you've trusted him as your Savior, once you come to him and confess that you're a sinner and that you need to be washed as white as snow and that you believe that his blood that was shed on Calvary when he died and was buried rose from the grave, you believe that he was, that he was raised from the grave because it was finished and he did what was necessary and it satisfied God and God was satisfied and raised him from the dead and he's alive evermore. And if you'll believe on him, you can have everlasting life. And you can believe and look forward just like all the rest of us do to the coming of the Lord. That's our hope. That's what we have. That's what we share. And you know what else we learn from this passage? God's right on time. God's not behind schedule. God's not, God's not ahead of schedule. God's right on time. 
and he's got a program, and it's working, and as much as we can get anxious, it ain't changed nothing one bit. God's program's going to take place just exactly like he wants it to. History is not a random series of meaningless events. It's a succession of periods and happenings which are under the sovereign rule of God. All of these things that have taken place down through history. And God is the God of history. God has made everything take place, and it will all take place just as his word said, and we're seeing that happening. It it affirms day after day after day that God's word is true. I know it's true, but it keeps confirming it over and over, day by day. And listen, and and all these things are taking place, and as as, as soon as the rapture takes place, all of these things, these chain of events are going to start happening. As soon as the restrainer is gone, the world is going to plunge into darkness. As the day of the Lord begins, as apostasy fully emerges, and as the Antichrist enters the spotlight, all those things are just going to take place one after another. But you and I don't need to have any fear about it whatsoever. We ought to look forward to it with excitement because the Lord's coming for us. But between now and then, and we don't know how long now and then is, between now and then, in that brief window that God has allotted us, we need to be faithful to share the, share the gospel with other people because if they miss that window, again, there's no guarantee they'll ever get saved. The clock's ticking. People need to be saved. I say to anybody listening to me on the sound of my voice, the clock is ticking. Now is the time of salvation. Now is the time to believe on the Lord Jesus. Your works won't do it. Nothing you can do will do it. All you can do is believe on what Christ has already done, his finished work on the cross of Calvary, his death, his burial, resurrection. That's what it takes. You believe he's done it for you and trust him and he'll save you today. And church, I'll tell you this morning, we need to get serious about this matter of being witnesses. We need to be serious about this matter of sharing Jesus with other people. It's not just a matter of bringing, inviting people to church so we can have a full church full of people or, or so that we can have big offerings and build big buildings. It ain't about none of that. What it's about is people not going to hell, and we need to have a heart that burns for that to keep people out of hell. And that's my urgent message to you this morning because Christ is telling us he's coming again. Let's stand together. We're going to sing a song of invitation this morning, 154. 154, we'll go to the Lord in prayer as she comes. We're going to sing Jesus is Calling. Because he is. He's calling today. He wants souls to be saved. He wants people to recommit themselves to following him. He wants, he wants believers to commit to being witnesses. He wants people that are walking in worldly ways to come out from that and, and, and surrender themselves afresh to him. God wants us. He shed his, the blood of his only begotten son for us. He's done everything that he needs to do for us. It's our turn to turn to him and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Father, I just pray you bless the invitation, Lord. I pray, Father, that you work amongst your people. Holy Spirit, God, I preach the word. Now you draw, now you do your work in our lives. Father, do a work in us and bring us to decisions that need to be made for you. Lord God, we pray for the ones who are listening in. Father, those who may be hanging uh, in between heaven and hell. Father, I pray today that that be the best salvation. The Spirit of God, draw them to salvation. Lord God, we thank you now. We ask you to bless the invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs> <laughs>
calling this church he's calling his church to be witnesses calling his church to not be a silent witness no such thing as a silent witness if I was on trial for murder and one of you in here was with me and knew that I didn't do it and you said I'll go to court with you and I'll be a silent witness well you better speak up because they're going to send me to prison for the rest of my life or put me to death if you don't. I mean, the death penalty would be hanging over my head, and you say, well, I'm just going to be a silent witness. I sit there and smile and be joyful, and everybody would be able to tell you didn't do it. They'd be able to tell by the smile on my face that, that, that you, you didn't kill that person. That wouldn't do nobody any good, would it? But just say, I'll be, I'll be joyful. I say, if, I, if I'm joyful, they'll, they'll see the joy in me, and they'll know that you didn't do it. I'd go around and shake everybody's hand in the courtroom. It still wouldn't do it, would it? So we can be friendly, happy, joyful Christians, and people still die and go to hell all around us. The only thing we got to do, Christ says, is be a witness. We, we're witnesses of the things that he has done in our lives. Amen? Let's not forget that. Let's remember that, and let's let that work in us. Father, bless us today, Lord. We just thank you for this time that we've had in your house. Lord God, I pray the message would resound and resonate in our hearts and minds. Lord God, please burden us. Give us those opportunities. Lord, please put us in those positions where somebody comes across our path that needs to know that Jesus has died for them. Lord God, give us the strength. Give us the courage. Give us the words. Make us witnesses that we might honor and glorify Jesus that someday when we stand before you around your throne in heaven, there's a crowd of folks around us who are there because we opened our mouth and you worked through us. Thank you this day. Thank you for the message. Lord, I pray for each one that heard it. I pray, Lord, for those here and those listening in. Lord, you know the needs. And, Father, I pray you meet those needs. Lord God, please bless us throughout this week. Father, we just thank you, we love you, and we praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Let's have a good rest of the day, and I'll see you back here at 6 tonight.